0: Welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about video games. I'm your host Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michael Jones. Greetings, Gamer, I see you.
1: Greetings, Gamer, I see you. And, you know, Roman, I got to remind you something very, very important. Um, you know, t- t- this is our second episode of this new season, this new year. uh, uh That's right. The year of our of our Lord Luigi 2022. Uh, but um, I must remind you, Fear the Old Blood.
0: Fear the old blood, and I'm just afraid of blood in general, if I'm totally honest with you. Old, new, doesn't matter to me, can't stand the stuff. Uh, We're back today with another episode in our backlog bonanza, kind of a loosey-goosey one. Um, Oh, looks like you didn't turn off all the sounds, huh? (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, Sorry, I'm currently watching Michael play Bloodborne PSX, which we'll talk about a little more later. Uh, We're just going to chat a little more about what we've been up to during the break what we've been playing lately, what we've been watching, or, or what have you. So before we get talking about the good stuff, and of course by that I mean video games, Michael, you mentioned to me that you watched every Mad Max movie in a day.
1: Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I that? did. <laughs> uh, it was great, actually. Uh, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, and it's been many years uh, since I had uh, watched any of the, the older Mad Max films with uh, Mel Gibson um I, I I was I was telling a friend I think about it's
0: Gibbon isn't it Gibbon?
1: Gibbon Gibbon Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah McGibbon. Um, I uh, I was telling a friend about Mad Max Fury Road which uh, honestly is like a perfect 10 out of 10 movie like no no mm-hmm. no question that movie is perfection Big time. Um and uh I love it and then I decided to go back and watch the older films that were also written and directed by George Miller um usually with collaboration with a few other people. Um, no, but, uh, those, uh, those older movies also like the first is definitely a, a film from 1979. That's low budget. And, uh, uh, the, the ones that follow have, uh, you know, increased in budget, but they're still, you know, products of the eighties. Um, but they do have a very, uh, like a very good feel to them as far as, uh, that, um, post apocalyptic world i was just very struck by uh the world design and uh the characterization from those movies because i, I the last time i watched them i was a kid and uh i i remember very distinctly like the feral kid from Ro- the road warrior and max's v8 interceptor but uh you know the greater pieces of those mad max films the um, the themes and uh the the, the the deeper characterization of Max and the people he encounters uh really just stand out uh still and it all is uh like put together in the best possible way in Fury Road, which uh I, I watched like at least two times through this, <laughs> this like last week, weekend. Um, just a just, and it's worth it. like every single time it's worth it. Uh, it's just such a good movie. With that, I also learned that uh, George Miller is working on a prequel for the character Furiosa. and that has me very excited to to revisit that character and and, and learn more about her because I think uh, out of everybody on the cast in Fury Road, uh, Furiosa is she, she is the shit. She is the best. And uh, I I would absolutely love to see more of Furiosa.
0: While you were doing that, I watched Waterworld four times in one day.
1: Oh, that sounds like an experience. Tell me about that.
0: That sucked. Don't (laughs) ask me about Waterworld. (laughs) How was Dennis Hopper? How was Kevin Uh, Costner? Costner, yeah, yeah. I almost said Spacey. Uh, Oh no, I almost dragging me backstage.
1: I almost said Spacey as well, and you know, I I was like, wait, no, that's not the same Kevin. Wrong Kevin. Wrong Kevin." Kevin.
0: Yeah, no, not that, Kevin. No, I, I'm just joking. Uh, what I, I did get into recently, though, and I actually maybe don't want to say too much about it because this is going to be a uh, surprise to you, but I might want to talk about it on the show, to be honest. Uh, I watched all that Peacemaker show. I don't know if okay. you've seen anything about that. I, I, I've heard of it. That That's the uh,
1: superhero show starring uh, the one and the only, um, I'm, I'm stalling for the wrestler's name, uh, John Cena. You can't see <laughs> John him. John
0: Cena, yes. Yeah. Um. Yes, and it's it's directed. Every episode is written and directed by James Gunn, uh, and it is. Uh, all I want to say about it for now is it is James Gunn at like his best. Uh, just just absolutely a master of his craft, and uh, I love John Cena now, unironically. Uh, uh, he's so good in it, and that is uh, uh no disrespect to Mister Cena, seen and Heard, uh, but uh, I just did not have an opinion of John Cena. <laughs> I almost feel like. And I don't know, we'll see how well this this ages, but I almost feel like James Gunn is uh, a, a genre filmmaker in the same way as like John Carpenter. And I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying they're like the same, uh, you know, but just in terms of just uh, do you know what I mean? Like someone who knows exactly what they're doing within their specific toy box and is maybe the best at it.
1: Well, yeah, I, I remember before uh, James Gunn joined the the ranks of the MCU, Right, he had uh, Super, a, uh, a film mm-hmm. with Rain Wilson and uh, Elliot Page, um, and uh, I, I remember that also being like a a really fun, but like uh, yeah, also owns- um, like kind of rough movie. Like if if you're into superheroes, it's uh, a different type of take on it, but it definitely gives you the uh, the, the 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 precedent that James Gunn uh, in that like superhero realm of storytelling has something there uh, that, you know, just works. And that's totally. apparent as well with his work on Guardians. And uh, Peacemaker just kind of seems like right in line with his wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe Gunn's biggest strength is he is able to, like, operate in this world of these, like, huge media conglomerates but still make movies that feel like his own movie. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a talent, especially when, like, you're adhering to – you know, not just like a couple, like like you know, sequels or prequels or, or whatever, but like you have this like massive arcing uh, series. And like we, we've talked before at length about how like it, it's really like Kevin Feige who's calling the shots for the MCU, right? But then Guns right. films do have a very distinct feel to them that uh, also kind of feel like you know it, it set up a trend for some of the other films to to be more gun like. Uh, So whatever it is, he just like fits very well in that circle and then also is able to navigate that uh, that large corporate conglomerate landscape uh, with uh, some skill. I remember when he was like it was contentious whether or not he would be gu- doing guardians three. And then he went right over to DC Yep, and And you're like, okay, it, it fits. And also, I guess if, you know, if James Gunn, isn't making comic book movies for Marvel, then he's going to be doing it for DC. If he's not right. doing it for Marvel and DC, then maybe he's doing it for a different comic publisher. But it just seems to be that, you know, that type of filmmaking is, you know, something that he wants to do and loves to do. And, uh, uh, it it just, it's like a match made in heaven for James. Right.
0: And, and Warner brothers hiring him is such an alpha move too, because, uh, like suicide squad was obviously their like answer to guardians of the galaxy. Uh, so to then just be like, well, let's just hire the guy who made the first, the, the, the one we're trying to like answer anyway (laughs) and just have him make it. Uh, and because of that, we have Peacemaker would not have had Peacemaker if he had not made the suicide squad. So, uh, yeah, we may be talking about it. So Mike, you may also be watching Peacemaker at some point, but, uh, I don't feel bad about it. To be honest, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think anyone could enjoy it, but especially I I just think you'd really like it, buddy. For real. It's so good. All right. Uh, It's on the list now. Uh, but speaking of Mad Max, last thing I did want to say about it is uh, I've actually never seen any of the older ones. I'm really? with you. Fury Road's like a 10 out of 10. Yeah, Mad Max is one of those franchises that I have uh, for years been saying I really want to watch, but I just haven't, and I don't have a reason for not. So uh, what have you been playing, buddy? Well, I've been playing a mix of uh, Bloodborne,
1: um, the original actual PlayStation 4 Bloodborne, and Bloodborne PSX, the demake of uh the classic from software game and then uh, i've also been playing uh kingdom hearts 3 (coughs) which uh, is something that'll be kind of a treat for everybody later eventually we will get into fully fledged playstation 4 bloodborne because um personally i might be biased but that game is a masterpiece and i have been asking you begging you even to uh to play it for years Mm -hmm, that's
0: right and I like the attention, so I haven't done it. Yeah.
1: So, you know, maybe I should switch up my methods a little bit. But today we're talking a Yeah, I don't think about bit. playing Bloodborne.
0: <laughs> Just instantly, <laughs> like, like <laughs> look at me, over here. <laughs> Witness hey, me. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> um, Bloodborne PSX is an independently developed fan demake of that PlayStation 4 classic uh, that was originally made by From Software. This demake is made by Lilith Walther. Uh, who you may find on twitter she's done a great job with this um and like i think uh any bloodborne fan may remember uh some like tongue-in-cheek playstation one aesthetic bloodborne cart videos or um screenshots and uh i i i gotta you know get on sony here because we haven't gotten bloodborne cart either and i'm just kind of (laughs) wondering what the hell is up with not having bloodborne cart um, but this is this is a fun little project. It's it's free to play on itch.io. So if you have if you're on PC, uh, you can play this for free. I did not know that. Actually, I'll probably download it. And uh, it, it's it's very solid fun. Um, whether or not you've played Bloodborne before, I, I recommend it. It is uh, a little obtuse because it is also a uh, a very faithful remake of a From Software game. So uh familiarity with bloodborne is a, a good thing to have because the the, the the environment and the enemies will all be a lot more familiar and uh, you'll be less confused going into it into those situations. Um, though uh, on its own, it's a very solid little fun game. and so I've've written down some notes. Um, so some of the cool things about this and I think, one of the things I love the most about this DMake is uh, the the targeting of that PlayStation One aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're streaming it right now. It looks really, really fun. It looks really good, uh, especially with all the bloodborne, like the Victorian era Gothic horror that uh, the game is known for. Uh, it just looks fantastic. It has like the the CRT scan lines, and every texture warbles just that right way. Um, it looks like a game that very legitimately could have been on the PlayStation and uh, it, it's very akin to a the look of a game called Nightmare Creatures, which a lot of people have connected as some kind of like uh, proto Bloodborne style game, uh, a Victorian goth horror atmosphere that was on the PlayStation one. But uh, Bloodborne PSX has this, a very good design all around as far as the look of it. Uh, that design is also very faithful to the PlayStation Four game. Uh, it looks and sounds great, um, and uh, the first major area of Bloodborne is here, Central Yarnum. Uh, the game comes with the two first bosses of Bloodborne, the Cleric Beast and Father Gascoigne, um, and at that point the The game essentially kind of ends. It's it's kind of like a a big demo uh, for a, a much larger game that you can play on the PlayStation Four. Uh, but, <laughs> right <laughs> but the uh I, I don't think there are any plans to expand beyond father Gascoin and into the, the the remainder of bloodborne uh but for what it is like this little chunk of game is phenomenally fun and all of those faithful pieces like enemy placement is like almost exactly the same uh it it it, it, it uh it very faithfully recreates bloodborne but um along with that it does a little bit extra it's not just those first two bosses as i had heard before but also side quests and uh, some additional fun things so thing uh, there there's a character called eileen the crow and she has a a side quest in uh bloodborne where you get to fight other hunters who have become drunk with blood and uh, you can encounter her and work with her or fight her Uh, but seeing that in this as well was a nice additional detail uh, because again, like you, you could have just done the bare minimum and given us Father Gascoigne, and I'm sure a lot of people would have been very happy. Right. Uh, though, like all those little things that are also a part of this section of the game, also being here, just gives it a uh, a depth. This this broad feel that um, uh, it almost feels like this game was on the PlayStation One when you play through it, and when you get invested into it knowing the side quests are there um it, it it gives you a lot more to do and i thought this honestly would be like a one or two hour experience it took me six hours to wow play the entirety of bloodborne psx and the game does eventually roll credits there is an ending to it but it is not when you defeat father gascoigne when you when you defeat father gascoigne normally you would ascend uh, to Cathedral Ward, but when you attempt to approach uh, the path to Cathedral Ward, uh, you, you get treated to a cutscene. And the evening turns to night, and the night grows deep. And then suddenly everything changes. The enemy placement kind of gets shuffled about. Some stronger enemies are now uh, roaming the streets of central Yarnham and you essentially get a new quest that does not exist within the original playstation 4 experience Uh, there is a character named gilbert that you encounter in both games and in both games gilbert is ill and likely not to survive the night as most human characters in bloodborne unfortunately end up dead um, but Gilbert is a special case where in the original game, when you return to his abode, uh, he becomes a beast, uh, as many other humans in the world of Bloodborne have. Mm-hmm. And in the he original game,
0: mode. he went beast
1: mode. He went beast mode. He went full. Yeah, beast that's mode. what's up.
0: That's what's up. He went beast mode.
1: And, and Gilbert the, went beast mode. <laughs> Gilbert went beast mode. There you go. In uh, in the original game, uh, Gilbert is not. Very terrifying. He does break out of his house and he will attack you and you can kill him. It's a little tragic because, you know, he's just a guy that's trying to survive the night and he's not doing so well. Um, But uh, in Bloodborne PSX, uh, Gilbert still transforms, except this time you can explore his house. Uh, His house becomes open to exploration and within it you find him strapped to a bed as he transforms into a lichen and thus begins the secret boss battle of Bloodborne PSX, which was really excellently designed. I, uh, I was terrified. I was like I felt my heart rate increase. It was a very exhilarating experience as most like from software games are with their boss fights but this was one made by a fan so the move set the animations that's uh, the, so cool the design of this this character in this fight was not official it's it's not from something else it's definitely inspired by a lot of other things but it, I, I, you know that this fight is probably Lilith's you know and and she's mm. done a great job with it It was so much fun where uh gilbert is strapped to this bed and you approach him and you can you can get a few hits on him before he breaks free and then when he breaks free good luck um is the only thing i have to say is hopefully you know you'll survive and you'll defeat him and overcome and then the credits will roll um but it was just very very nice to see not only are those faithful pieces part of the D make. But they also just went above and beyond, added more things to it, um, gave us some extra twists and turns with the level design, and uh, it, it'll definitely give any veteran Bloodborne player uh, a surprise or two, and then some additional content like Gilbert's Boss Fight uh, that will you know, be, be very fun and entertaining. And then it's also just kind of like a very nostalgic trip down memory lane where instead of the graphics looking better than you remember, uh, they look worse than you remember. But, <laughs> hey, it's it's the vibe. It's the aesthetic. And it just right. looks good. Um, I, I do quite love that look to it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It looks like it plays well, too. Like it plays buttery smooth despite it looking clunky. Yeah, I Intentionally.
1: Think I- I think I have it running at like a 60 or 120 FPS or something like that, because it's on PC and and you have some of those options. Um, But uh, it it plays also like a PlayStation uh, 1 game uh, before they added analog sticks. So this is the game I would recommend the game pad or a controller for, because Mm -hmm. um, it's possible with a keyboard, um, but it's not a keyboard and mouse game. It is strictly keyboard or game pad. And uh, the just kind of like walk people through it, because today we're very used to, you know, the left analog stick moves your character, the right analog stick moves your camera. The way that Bloodborne PSX works is that era of the PlayStation before we had analog joysticks. So your means of control is the D-pad to move your character about and then you use the L2 and R2 buttons to pan your camera left or right at a fixed rate of speed. And uh you can use X to lock on or center your camera, but uh it, it's a different, a very different feel from PS4 Bloodborne because that's not the control scheme. Uh even the constro- the control scheme was built in a way that's faithful to old school PlayStation 1. Um so could this game run on a PlayStation 1? In, in all likelihood, probably not. But it would be very cool if it did. And it feels like it does. And in the world of makes and fan-made games, this game feeling like it could have been on the PlayStation is really all you need. It's like uh, the, 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 the feeling that you get from Shovel Knight, where, you know, technically it probably cannot run on an original Nintendo system, uh, but it looks and feels like those games did, and it it evokes those types of uh, memories if you've played NES games, and that is the key. Uh, Here, Lilith nailed it.
0: Yeah, this is extremely cool, and it's also extremely cool that they're giving it away for free. Uh, I'm assuming... Well, it's HIO, so you could give a donation, right? Yeah, you can essentially
1: pay... Uh, what you feel you know I if you want to play it for free then you know it is available for you to play for free Uh, but then if you do want to you know chip in and and give uh, the developers a little bit of cash I I think that is also an option um, which is you know common for itch.io games and I think that uh, you know a lot of people probably have and you know it's it's definitely worth it I think to you know give them a few bucks because this is this is a stellar experience
0: yeah I was just about to say I hope uh, Lilith got enough where uh, you know they can not worry maybe a little bit you know it seems like this is a cool thing and uh, sadly we live in a society where that's like the best way to like thank someone for that kind of a thing is hey dinner's on me It's this experience
1: is also one of which that uh, it has introduced me to her work and it kind of gives me um, the thought that you know if they produce anything else because they're you know, I think they're an independent developer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whatever she ends up making is of interest now because this is oh, sure. this is this is great. This is it's wonderful. Cool. It's just fun cool. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you know, she makes more cool things. It's it's worth checking out. Um, Absolutely. It's kind of funny that we're we're, we're you know talking about this and because uh, the next thing I I did arrange my. Uh, my speech around our sweet sour format so now sure. um i have a few things about the game that are a little annoying um were sure. yeah. a little bit tough to, to to get your mind around um but I, I think 100% the sweet outweighs the sour with this experience and uh if if you you know run into trouble um i i beg i urge to um you know find your patience and and give it the time it needs uh, to really, you know, capture your heart. Uh, But the things that I found were a a little bit in my way for the experience was um, this game has loading screens. The original Bloodborne also had loading screens for some areas. Mm -hmm. um, But in this case, the loading screens feel more like part of that aesthetic where traversing from one area to another and seeing the now loading text it uh, it feels very evocative of PlayStation tech um from back in the day where I, I i you know you and i have probably sat through hours of loading screens for video games because that was just right. the hardware limitations at the time that's what you had to you know deal with so the game loaded when it loaded hopefully your disc wasn't scratched or uh, you know, it, it was um, a game that was not poorly optimized and took forever to load. But you know, loading screens are just a reality of it. Uh, this game still has that, even though on the PC, these environments, these character models and animations, I I don't think they need a whole lot of resources to run i i'm I, i would be surprised if this game is pc intense you know depending on the hardware in your own gaming pc um but there are areas where you will traverse from one to the other and there's a loading screen and you cannot skip that loading screen um so my assumption that the loading screen is purely aesthetic one it's an assumption i might be wrong mm-hmm. um but i think it would also be nice when you, you're kind of in that back and forth between uh you, you've done your leveling up you've uh you, you've mastered the area and now like any from software game and in this case a fan software game as it says at the, the front um, yeah <laughs> uh the bosses are a major part of the experience and most likely you will die and you will have to tread ground back to that boss. And uh, that level design, again, facilitates that so it's not as harrowing as an experience to die over and over again. Uh, But those loading screens are still there. They do still take up some of your time. And uh, if there is no true technical limitations behind uh, their use, if it is purely just aesthetic, it would be nice to have the option to skip them. Um, just to save some time. I, I'm sure speedrunners would probably think that as well. Just like, um, I think uh there are runners playing this game, and I think uh That's it's awesome. sub 30 minutes, which is amazing. That is one thing I thought, well, if I could make a change, I would just love that opportunity. Um it's like the skip intro button on Netflix. A lot of the time, <laughs> you probably won't use it because you just love the opening to the show that you're watching. And I get that. I, I do the same thing. I look at that skip intro and I say, get the hell out of here. But uh, sometimes you do. Do you really say mm, that? You just want to. It depends on the show.
0: You know, okay. if it's Twin Peaks, get out
1: of here. I want to hear you that say, song. You say
0: it out loud? You say that Every time.
1: Every time. Every okay. time. Every okay. single time. It's a rule. <laughs> um, since this is an independently developed game, uh there's a chance you'll run into a bug or two. Um, I I, I think uh I ran into one bug in my course of the playthrough that I, I, I did, but um so far what I've seen is there aren't you know any major game-breaking issues um or bugs. Uh and, and Lilith has Developed hot fixes and patches already for the game, so they have shown you know some dedication in um, keeping it uh, a very smooth experience. So, uh well, you know, again, it's a thing to keep in mind for um, you know an indie developer, a game that's also you know for free. Uh, you might encounter a tech issue, um, but just as quickly as you might encounter one you can get back into the game and keep on trucking which uh, was my experience it was not a roadblock by any means but i think it's a fair thing to say that you might encounter something and really when you get there just brush it off and keep on going and then the last thing i thought was sometimes it feels a little awkward that camera rotates kind of slow uh for a game as fast as bloodborne or at least the combat of Bloodborne is very, 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 very fast. So uh, the camera feels a little slow in comparison. And I think it gave me the most difficult uh, experience with the boss fight with Fa- Father Gascoigne because there's a lot of obstacles in that arena. And Father Gascoigne is quite fast, incredibly sure. fast. So uh, keeping up with him was the most difficult part. And that control scheme kind of contributed to that difficulty a little bit. Um, that fight is so faithfully recreated that, um, like having played the D-make and then immediately after playing the original, uh, it, it was like I was grinding and preparing for it. I, I, the the same move sets and pieces were pivotal and um it it was like i had practiced it before i even got there where that fight normally takes me a few tries and in the d make it did but then when i you know booted up playstation 4 version it was one one hit go and we're good to go but um the control scheme is uh a relic of the past there there's no denying that because today the that that control scheme just doesn't exist It is, uh, it is now analog stick standard. So, um, that might be a barrier or a learning curve for some. Um, and so with that, there really aren't any options to bind different keys or buttons for your controller. Um, it just doesn't exist so if you're playing on keyboard or gamepad you can't really customize your controls at all uh you're you're stuck with what you've been
0: given obviously i don't want to go against like creator intent but it does seem like that could be kind of the thing like in a future patch she could just like you know allow you to use the analog sticks on a dualshock 4 potentially yeah and it's the kind of thing as
1: well where you know it, it, it's evocative of an early generation PlayStation one game. Uh, so, you know, it, she obviously decided very early on to stay true to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is worth the trade off. I got used to the control scheme. I powered through and overcame. I, I beat bloodborne psx with this control scheme so um you know i i'm not exactly a professional gamer uh, but you know i i imagine if i could do it anybody could and uh it's just one of those things that you have to grow accustomed to get used to it you know and eventually you'll you'll It'll click in your mind and the game will become a little bit easier. Um, But, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a learning curve at the start. It's, uh, you know, for some of us, we've never, ever played a game with this type of control scheme before. So it feels very alien, whereas um, some gamers out there probably played this and then it just brought back a flood of memories from those early PlayStation days uh, before the analog sticks were released on the DualShock controller.
0: This is very cool. I'm just looking, I'm just watching it. It's so like, I know we're in the sour right now, of course, but uh, it's just so neat. I wouldn't even say like sour.
1: It's just like those little things that, uh, trying to account for what, you know, like like you haven't played Bloodborne before. And and if you were to pick this up in its stead and play this first, I don't think it's a bad idea. um, Because it has a bit of a unique identity despite it being tied to... Uh, you know a different game but uh it is uh it it does have like that that old game feel to it where like 3d games just didn't have a uh a standard to base themselves off of yet this like this this is polished and it feels really good um but you know if it had come out truthfully back in the 90s yeah, there's a, a very real chance that, or uh, just a, uh, like, I feel like very strongly that this game could have existed back then like this, and would have been, uh, you know, challenging for people to play. But uh, and maybe I should go find Nightmare Creatures and see how that game plays, or find some videos on it because the two <laughs> yeah. are so uh, very commonly compared. Um, but it is uh, it is a cool little project. I would absolutely love if Bloodborne Kart was hidden in here somewhere because Lilith <laughs> was like teasing that as a thing just for jokes. And um I know that it's been a long running joke and meme in the community that, you know, Sony, come on, Bloodborne Kart. We got we gotta compete with Mario Kart somehow for Bloodborne and um a game for free. Like you should definitely go try it. And I'm talking to to you, Roman, and also the audience. Like go pick it up, give it a shot. Um, it, it's very fun to play. If you love Bloodborne, um, it'll it'll just I think it'll grab you. And uh, if you're if you're new to it, it is a, a very interesting experience in the gaming realm, and it's it's worth uh, the time to put into it and and play it for a little bit. Probably like, this is the only Bloodborne that we have on PC, and I would say that it is a it, it, it is a gem. You know, if this is the only Bloodborne that we ever get on PC, then, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied a little bit, because
0: uh, this is awesome. I should mention, Michael, because we need to hold ourselves accountable here, I have technically played Bloodborne before.
1: You played a little bit
0: of it, right? I played the first 30 minutes of Bloodborne, yes. Okay,
1: so uh, in so that we'll 30 do, minutes... We will
0: do better. Please, everybody.
1: Please tell me how far did you did you get, and what was your experience?
0: Uh, this doesn't look familiar. So wherever you are right now, didn't get here. Uh, I remember, me- I remember playing with the character creation screen and making a bog witch. Fair. I mean, uh, this game
1: also has like a character. Uh, the the let me clarify the the Bloodborne PSX also has a a little bit of a character creation screen, and it doesn't do much in the way of like customizing your character. Um, it's like very very little changes, uh, but it's still there. Um leveling up and uh the clothes and uh all the all the different ways you can build your character are also there
0: did you uh did you get to any boss fights in no, your no, original no bloodborne run it <laughs> definitely didn't get that far i just remember running around like a very little bit of the first i was at a friend's house and then we uh we like going out so we just did it before we were heading out to our destination so this is a quick john through central Yarnum, just uh just yep. visiting just a little bit
1: well Soon you'll have to do the the full experience you have to look forward to it. I can't wait to, to hear how you enjoy the entirety of bloodborne itself and uh, uncovering the mysteries within because we all know that um, you're supposed to fear the old blood and uh, hopefully you know cause will grant us eyes so that we may see.
0: Yeah, sure totally whatever that means. Just uh, you, that's a thing you made up for the show. <laughs> that's just that's just how you talk now. <laughs> yes. Just like. Yeah. Very, right on very, anyway. Very cryptic. <laughs> but cool. uh,
1: yeah, I, uh, that's pretty much all I have on Bloodborne and PSX. It's just a fun time. Go play it.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, well, I have been playing a game called Deathloop. Yes which came out last year. Um honestly in name it's
1: pretty similar to Bloodborne. I mean you die, you come back and you just do it again.
0: Yeah, so I will say I do think Deathloop is up there with Monster Hunter in terms of games that have the t- titles that tell you everything you need to know about the game going into it. Uh you die, you do a death and then you loop. And then you do death to other people and they loop. Um so I, you know, I Deathloop obviously came out last year. and It was like this huge, big game. I'm talking about it. The joke is, I'm talking about it as if nobody has heard of it, but everyone knows what Deathloop is. Uh Michael, I'm Are you mentioning um, what is uh, Deathloop? Uh, Deathloop's a video game. Sorry. Okay. Joe, let me. Do, What's you, a video? You know game? that term, right? But yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember you mentioning at one point you kind of wanted to play this.
1: Yeah, it, it, when this when Deathloop came out, there was there was a lot of hype surrounding it. It, it seemed like it was a, a bit of a hit. Um, and, uh, I didn't really look too much into, uh, the early marketing materials for the game or, um, follow the general reception of it post-release, but, um, the, the little snippets that I had seen online, uh, and, and like, you know, maybe a handful of reviews seemed like it was a very solid and, uh, engaging game. And so it, it did pique my interest. I did, I
0: do want to play it. Well, so yeah, it uh, and I want to speak to that a little bit um, because I, I also like wanted to play this game at launch and then just never got around to it. And I, I only kind of casually followed the discourse because I didn't want to spoil the game for myself, you know, because this is one that I knew for sure I wanted to play. So I, I didn't want to just know everything going into it. Um, and kind of from what I saw as an outsider looking in was that people seemed to really love it up to like a point. And then basically by the time people were done with it, it was kind of one of those uh, I I heard like a range of emotions. Some people I know really, of course, loved it. Other people felt indifferent. And then I even heard like a few reviewers I follow say that it like straight up soured on them. Um, And I'm going to speak to that a little bit because I had kind of I I, I had that in the back of my mind the entire time I played this game. So I I was thinking like maybe there's going to be a moment or something where uh, it, you know, turns you know i don't maybe it's a story beat or something that happens that people don't love uh so i have some thoughts on that later um but before i get to that it's uh so this game was developed by arcane leone i think is how you pronounce it in there the studio that made dishonored uh which i have not actually played any of the dishonored games but neither have i but i've heard uh good things about them as far as like stealth games go me as well and and i've heard there's like some like DNA shared between Deathloop and Dishonored. So, you know, if you like Dishonored, uh, you very well may like Deathloop. Um, But basically, Deathloop, you play as a a gentleman named Colt who is trying to escape this island of Black Reef where the island is caught in a loop. They are reliving the same day every single day. And what's interesting, though, is everybody on the island knows they're in a loop. It's an interesting uh, take on the
1: whole Groundhog's Day thing, because... You don't have to convince other people that you're just looping the same day over and over again, which seems to be like the like the fighting challenge of a loop scenario like this.
0: Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And then to make it even more interesting, sort of a a, a not really a twist, but just a, a piece of background info you learn is you, Colt, are one of two people who actually knows, though, like remembers loops. So the other person, the other main character is a woman named Juliana. Who is, if you look at the cover of this game, you'll, you see the two characters, Colt is the man, Juliana is the woman. And Juliana is the only other person that remembers the loops. So every other person, it's interesting, they know they're in a loop, but they think it is the first day of the loop. So this is like a program, essentially, everyone has signed up for, it, it interesting. seems. Interesting. Yeah, the sort of other supporting cast of the game are they're all called visionaries and they are essentially the bosses. They are the head honchos of this island and they are, you know, some of them are scientists, some of, like one of them is a doctor, one of them is just like a rich guy who seems to have bankrolled the operation. Um and they're all like doing things it's either research or planning a big party uh so much of the game is you have to just gather information and learn everybody's routine and solve puzzles to change their routines because the way to break the loop is to kill all visionaries in a day in one successful loop And if you die, the loop resets. Now, the game is a little uh, forgiving in that you can actually die three times. And on the third death, the loop resets. Um, So it has a little bit of a roguelike feel where you, you know, you just kind of make as much of a run as you can, knowing you're not going to succeed, at least at the beginning, right? Because uh, the way the game is broken up, there are four times of day and four different locations you can go to on the island. And time does not flow when you're in the level. So when you pick a level at morning, it's going to stay morning no matter how long you're in that level until you leave. And then when you leave, it'll move into noon and then afternoon and evening. And after evening, it reverses to morning and you wake up on the same beach you always do. Gotcha. But where, you know, almost immediately it becomes clear you're going to have to kind of control your own fate a bit because certain characters are at Like, like there might be a a visionary that you could get in the morning in one area and then another one at the same time in another area. And you can't be in two places at once, obviously. Or there's like some people that only come out under very specific uh, situations later in the day. So you have to change these people's routines, learn about them, learn what they're trying to do and exploit that. I don't have like a sweet sour thing. So, um, I'm just kind of making a making a stew here. I, I don't want to talk too much story Spoilers just cause I don't think there's a need to, but this is one for sure. The story does not do anything too unexpected. Like once the game tells you what you need to do and you go do it, you know, there's some stuff in there. Uh, you, you learn. Um, but on the whole, it is very like, no, you gotta, you gotta kill all these people in the same day to break the loop. Go do it, figure out how to do that. Um, but the, the, story this game weaves is kind of like a a pretzel in a lot of ways like it's folding over itself and and bending over and you're revisiting the same places multiple times but it's for like different quest lines and the game is very good at organizing that information because that is 90 percent of what you do in this game is you learn things and then you you know, apply that knowledge. And there are so many different passcodes you learn to get into safes and like different secret areas. And most of those are just saved in the menus. And once you learn it, you can just auto input it and things like that. Like the quality of life stuff is, is top notch.
1: Eventually like, um, your character just memorizes everything. And, yes. uh, you, that's kind of like your, your, your way of leveling up in a sense. Yeah. You, you solve a puzzle and then you don't have to do it again. That's just kind of nice. Cause with with uh with looping like that it, it's kind of a challenge to keep interest if you have to keep doing some like very minor things over and over and over again. Right. Um, I see it like the the shortcuts in a dark Souls game where you've mastered an area, but you die and you loop over again but uh, you've unlocked the shortcut so your your path
0: is easier to traverse right before i get into the, like the actual gameplay i do want to say aesthetically this game is top notch it takes place in the 60s so it has this like james bond feel to like uh a lot of the art design and even like the tech in the game huh. um yeah and and then it also has like a little bit of like a grindhouse aesthetic like it's really really cool and it's it's pretty to look at but uh in a very stylized way uh it, it's cool it's to, it's it's top notch um so the the gameplay uh is it's essentially it's a stealth shooter uh, a lot of sneaking around a lot of trying not to get detected but then when you do get detected or you know if you want to be detected you can certainly do that you go out guns a-blazing and uh you know it feels good no real uh complaints as far as combat goes different weapons are, are fun to use and they all feel pretty different uh, it doesn't necessarily do anything. Like if you've played a first person shooter before, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty familiar with how this game feels, uh, with the exception of there's gun jamming on the lowest level weapons. Cause there are certain like tiers of weapons you can acquire again. If you've played a modern first person shooter, <laughs> like this is all, you know, I don't think anyone's like going like, wait, what? Uh, and I was actually kind of interested in the gun jamming cause I played this on PS5. So I thought maybe like with the haptic feedback, it would feel cool. And, um, but it's actually just really annoying. <laughs> like the gun jamming is just like not a fun mechanic. And luckily as soon as you get a gun that is any powerful than just like the base category of weapon, uh, you don't have to worry about it, which was, was smart to their credit. Like it, 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 uh, cause I don't know, I thought it would be cool. And it would like, I would feel like the, the R2 or L2 triggers like lock in place, but no, your gun just like stops working when you're trying to fight and you get shot a bunch and you just like still mash that button and then yeah. like. Yeah. Th- the way to unjam your gun actually is to mash square on the PlayStation. So it's like, okay. This is, <laughs> this is on the PlayStation <laughs>
1: 5, too, right? With the DualSense controller? Yes. After playing Resident Evil Village with the DualSense for a little bit, um, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity. I, I, I suppose. I Agreed. Y- you would have the, you know. The negative effect of, uh, well, not negative, but just the, I guess the, the fear of missing out for anybody who isn't playing on the PlayStation five, uh, you know, it's a, it's an extra thing at that point. Um, so the, the game is available on PC and other consoles. So why bother? But I think here you have a great example for why to bother. It is also just a, I guess it's fair to say the PlayStation five is still niche because, they're hard to get right so as as far as missed opportunities goes it seems like like the button jamming along with your gun would be very cool um as far as like that physical feedback goes
0: yeah i guess uh, i guess we should really be saying hey microsoft where's your dual sense oh it's only a matter of time they're 100 percent. microsoft is absolutely gonna have an answer to the dual sense uh whatever they call it like whatever they'll we'll call theirs they're going to have like a the next gen of controller for <laughs> like the new the Xbox consoles is here
1: being predominantly a PC gamer today um i i do have to say the dual sense controller has some very slick features uh i would consider getting one just to play games on PC with especially as uh you know those implementations of features are more widely available in games on PC because um, that the, the way that the buttons worked with village was just incredible. Like yeah, it it, it, it definitely had a different feel and experience to it that uh, you just, you, you wouldn't get otherwise.
0: Right No, I mean, for, uh, for real, if, if we can go down this rabbit hole a little bit, a good controller can absolutely like make or break an experience. Like I, I know, I know some people really do not like the PlayStation controller. Like maybe they play Xbox and, and you know, the controller feels foreign to them. And, and I get that because essentially up until, uh, I got, you know, really it was the three DS, but also like, especially the switch pro controller. I thought an Xbox controller felt weird, you know, because, but, uh, right. The the pro controller feels so much like an Xbox controller that I'm kind of like, now I can understand. And, and it was also like, not playing Xbox ever, A, B, X, and Y was confusing to me, <laughs> you know? Uh, but uh, it does seem kind of like, at least in with the the current gen of consoles, like we had two next-gen consoles but only one next-gen controller uh,
1: that came yeah. out. Yeah, the, the Xbox controller does seem like a, you know, maybe a few little improvements here and there, but not a, a big breakthrough like the DualSense was.
0: Right. I'm sure it's a fine controller. I'm sure it
1: does the job well. With that, like aside from, I suppose, the way you would – control a game in vr or something a gamepad is pretty close to being stand as standard as it possibly could be um right. so like all those little features that i guess feel like they would just be gimmicks um can be huge totally. um we just gotta get everybody else up to speed on that so that you know not only a game on the playstation 5 has like that high fidelity haptic feedback but you know, it's also there on the PC and it's there on the Xbox. Um, so I I think about like what that could be like in the next few years. And uh I would really only think of it optimistically because uh essentially the gamepad probably isn't going to change at all. It's just going to be those little things. And uh I could only see that type of tech spreading to other platforms versus being like, I don't, I don't know if Sony has any patents, uh, that, that limits, you know, can Microsoft even make a, uh, a, a controller that does this same thing. Um, because you know, maybe they patented it, but honestly, just, I, I, I would hate for that to be restricted like that because it's a cool change that should exist just everywhere. It's a way to, uh, you know, use another sense to interact with the games that you're playing, uh, that wasn't available before. And it could totally redefine the way some games are designed. It's like the way that the Wiimote redesigned uh, a lot of the ways that we think about playing games with motion controls. So a lot of that probably ended up evolving into, what we do now with VR. So, um, we should, uh, we should get some cool stuff in the future, I think.
0: Yeah. And just as an aside, uh, part of the reason I'm interested in v- in the new PlayStation VR is they've said the VR controllers are going to have some dual sense capabilities, like haptic feedback and stuff in the VR controller. And I'm like, dope. That sounds sweet. Uh, also you mentioned, uh, like how like stuff like that can feel like a gimmick, and you're absolutely correct, but uh, my thing is, like, I i mean, console gaming is inherently a gimmick, right? Like, if, if you truly want no-frills gaming, that's uh, what a PC is for. So, for me, it's like, no, if, if a console can effectively embrace the gimmick, like, you know, the Wii, uh, then they absolutely should. And and I know, for myself, uh, I, I will, uh, if, like, I'm choosing to get a game on PC or PS5, I will lean... Perhaps to PS Five for the Dual Sense, you know, to play the game with the Dual Sense. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, it's a thing about the PlayStation Five that still has me very, very excited, and, uh, and uh, I look forward to playing games like starting a new game with the Dual Sense to see how they take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, that is that is also a thing where I, I wonder a game like Resident Evil Village if. Uh... If that code for the DualSense controller is there in the PC build, right? So if I do play the right, game with smart. the DualSense on PC, once, uh, you know, official, like the Steam has full DualSense support, you know, maybe that already exists there in Resident Evil Village. You can play it that way and it would be the the way to do it. Like, sure, you have keyboard and mouse and it's kind of hard to play an FPS with uh, the precision that that provides with something else. Um, but, uh, that dual sense controller provides a, a different type of precision, at least in the context of that game where, you know, you have a, a set, uh, period of time or frames between a weapon and its fire rate. So if you fire the grenade launcher, you, you can't fire it again until you reload it, of course. Um, so the, the feeling that that trigger gives, really indicates whether or not you're ready to shoot again Mm -hmm. and uh it it did get a different feel whereas on the pc i am just mashing that button on the mouse to to fire um on on the dual sense i i stopped doing that and uh it was uh, again a different type of precision that uh you know changes your experience and in interesting ways um so I, I another reason why I, I sincerely hope that Sony hasn't uh, created a, a, a gate for right. other developers to, you know, utilize that type of technology, that type of hardware um, so that we can see this be more of an, a widespread accepted thing uh, to, to, you know, again, kind of like bringing all the senses into gaming. Right. And here we have touch. It's not just touching your keyboard. It's not just touching your gamepad. It's feeling that haptic feedback that correlates to something meaningful in game. And uh, that elevates your experience. And then as an aside, our friend Ian uh, said earlier today that he really wants to be able to smell video games. To which I, you know... uh Increasing our senses in video games is a, 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 I think, a great idea, and I would just hope that we could turn that off when we're playing, you know, gnarly and nasty games like Bloodborne. I don't know if you want to smell that, but well, also um,
0: I think the the big. Uh, issue you run into there is I think if we could start smelling video games, we would quickly realize how much uh, uh, perhaps before we were in the dark with regards to how much our protagonists are pee-peeing and poo-pooing.
1: Yes, that is true. I always did wonder while playing Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo 64, uh, when did Link eat and or drink and or mm-hmm. use the restroom? Because uh, the, the, the sun has gone up and down several times throughout my course to defeat Ganon. And uh, not once have I used a single restroom.
0: Yeah, Sonic stinks of piss. <laughs> Let's get back to Bloodborne. <laughs> or whatever, Deathloop. Shut up! So, the combat, as we were mentioning, which got us on the, this uh, side about controllers, it's pretty s- basic but tight gunplay. Where it really shines is there are these things called slabs, which are essentially superpowers. And you get them by killing the visionaries. Each visionary has a slab that has a, a power, and it's always the same. This character can turn invisible. This character can teleport a little bit, you know, etc. So you can kill them and take their slab. And if you have their slab already, killing them grants an upgrade for that slab that you can equip. Each slab has two slots. And it's called an upgrade, but it's essentially just like a modifier. Uh, There are also um, weapon. And character modifiers that just change stats a little bit. Uh, it's all fine and dandy, but I found myself not experimenting with them beyond like once I felt like I had like my build, you know, it was just like, okay, I don't need to mess with this. And I mentioned if, you know, you have their slab already, you know, you get uh, a modifier because there's a, a system in this game called residuum and residuum is essentially a currency that uh, allows you to carry things over between loops. And this is all given to you in the tutorial. They teach you all this. So basically you can spend your residuum to, if you have a gun you like, to keep it. And therefore you don't need to find that gun again next loop. Uh, And if you die, you lose your residuum. And if you don't spend your residuum, you lose it. And even if you die in a level, it sort of does the Dark Souls thing where you have to go get your residuum back. Uh where where it's where you died last, you know? And Residuum is cool and really necessary. Uh and, and one thing I did know about this game, and I believe uh James Stephanie Sterling talked about this on their channel, where there was kind of an issue Deathloop had where apparently people felt like the pre-order actually gave them too much, because like one of the pre-order bonuses from certain retailers was like a powerful weapon. Oh, it just made it too easy at the start. Yes, because essentially that is a thing I found with Deathloop. Once you got a good weapon and you infused it with residuum okay your job just became a whole lot easier because <laughs> now you don't need to worry about finding a good weapon uh and there are in addition to like you know there's of course your main quest but then like the side quests in the game take the form mostly of learn what the visionaries are doing and learn how to get them where you need them uh but there are some special side quests that give you like say a good weapon and so you can do that and then like i found One of them was it was a set of dual pistols because you can dual wield in the game if you choose to. Uh, It was a a set of pistols that you could put together to make an SMG. And it was a lot of fun. And like it was like it was my one of my staple weapons. I took it every run. I used it just about. I I guess there's sort of a a line here in Deathloop where I found myself like uh, getting locked into my like set and then just staying there and then seeing the game through. But at a certain point, I was not experimenting, which I'm sure you could say about uh just about every game but it, i guess what, my thing with death loop is at a point it kind of felt like i stopped discovering anything new uh, which maybe that's true to being in a time loop right <laughs> maybe you know that could very well do be deliberate It's kind of the, the
1: the the negative side of the coin where you've mastered the loop you kind of know what to expect but you're still in a stage of uh f- like finishing the game so you have to just like trudge through it
0: yeah and, and I, I should say the level design is very good and there's a lot of like nooks and crannies to find. So like it never felt like annoying to be revisiting the same levels over and over again. But you know, and I just, at a certain point I was, I, I, I guess I wanted more and it just didn't give it to me, which is, you know, you could say that's a pretty good problem to have, right? Like I liked this game enough where I, I was like ready for more of it, but it, I felt like it didn't deliver in that regard. Last thing I want to mention is there is an online mode and uh, I mentioned Juliana at the top, but Juliana is an extremely important character, not only in the story, but she can come and hunt you while you're doing your thing. And, and it uh, essentially when you load into every level, which is like there's essentially four levels in a loop, Colt and Juliana talk on the radio. And uh, I, I, I don't quote me on this, but I, I very much got the sense that the dialogue was a little like randomly generated because sometimes they would talk about nothing. And then but then there were times where like Colt learned a piece of information and would talk about it with her um, because Juliana basically knows where you are all the time. And so if she comes and hunts you, you get a message saying Juliana is on the hunt and that is a person invading your game, a real human. And uh, Colt gets around the island in these like secret tunnels and that that's like the narrative reasoning for why they don't, you know, just like stop him. Uh but Juliana locks the tunnels so you cannot escape the level until you hack her antenna and usually that means you got to fight her but you know it's not it's not guaranteed and there's like ways around it you can 100% not fight her but there's someone in there looking for you and this mode is simultaneously as fun and cool and as annoying <laughs> as you are picturing it in your head right now uh because it's pretty cool in my opinion to have like a very important character In the canon, be the one you play in multiplayer. Um, And and there is, because there is a a time loop, they do also uh, kind of get into the idea of, like, multiple realities. And I say, of course, because to me that, like, kind of goes hand in hand. But I'm realizing maybe not, everyone. I don't know how you view time loops, Michael. You know, I don't want to assume anything. And so these are essentially Julianas from other realities coming to try to preserve the loop because the real impetus for her wanting to do that is by Colt escaping, you have to break the loop, meaning it breaks for everybody. Like Colt is trying to like bust this whole thing wide open and you can turn off the multiplayer. I should mention that, but the Juliana invade will still happen. It'll just be controlled by a computer, which is certainly way easier. Uh, Of course, the AI is not as good as like a human. You hear me, Skynet? I'm throwing down my glove. Uh <laughs> essentially essentially if if it
1: is an AI controlling Juliana, what you have is a classic matrix scenario and yeah, you are the you one to the trying to escape the loop and Juliana is just an, another
0: Agent Smith. Yep, and in, and like Agent Smith, she essentially makes a beeline for you. So you can a hundred percent uh attract her attention. Uh so so um the the there is some incentive for keeping the Juliana thing on though, because you can get some really sick weapons from her. Uh, I actually got a rifle from her, from a Juliana that invaded me. I killed them and got their rifle. And it was actually an extremely good weapon that I learned far later in the game was a reward for completing a side quest. So I didn't even bother doing it. Because I was like, I already got it. Yeah, and uh, she also has slabs with her, so you get like a slab upgrade, you get a bunch of residuum, you get whatever weapon she's using, and then you get a bunch of trinkets. Like, you get a lot of stuff for defeating a Juliana. Now, if she defeats you, she messes up your run. Right. Does does, does the game scale with you? So is it possible that
1: you could just kind of grind out of, you know, any difficulty curve that the game throws at you by doing this? You know, of course, there's a, a high risk, high reward type... Uh, correlation here with fighting the game's like primary antagonist that in a dark souls way could be a human being invading your world um right. but like that reward is really good so you know is, is it kind of like the thing with the pre-order where you know you you might out level you know what you're trying to do in the game and it it, it kind of skews the difficulty
0: a bit Uh, it can in so far as like, as I mentioned, and you just mentioned with the pre-order, like you might just get a really good weapon from her and then be like, or a really, you know, you might get a slab ability or a slab you did not have before. But I will say one thing to this game's credit is it stays pretty hard. Like that final day when you have to like, uh, get them all, you know, you have to kill them all. Uh, you have to get several of them in the same place at the same time. And so That gets tricky then when you actually go to do it because you're like, okay, there's three of them in this building and I have to kill all of them. That's hard because essentially there's I put three bosses in the same room and I'm choosing to fight them now. You know. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the Juliana thing, uh, how it works balance wise is uh, Juliana cannot come back like Colt can. Because like I mentioned, you have three lives and those lives reset every level, not every loop. So if you die once in the morning, but you make it to your tunnels, when you go into the level at noon, you have your three back. Okay, that's pretty forgiving. Yes, it is. It's pretty forgiving. Now, uh, Juliana can, if you get a good Juliana, uh, kill Cole three times, depending on... I, I've done it. It's, it is uh, sickly satisfying. Um, and uh, But Juliana cannot do that. She's got one life, and then she's done, but she... Uh, has an ability where she can make herself look like an NPC and make an NPC look like her and that can be if you set like a fun trap that can be convincing but for the most part obviously if you see an NPC moving in a way an NPC doesn't typically move you know that's Juliana uh, right but more devastatingly she just has like an awareness of cult like if you shoot someone across the map and you don't have a silenced gun or you you kill someone in a way that's not a stealth kill and other eight, uh, enemies just know Im- you're there
1: immediately knows that's you
0: Yes, you get a ping on the Juliana screen saying, hey, Colt's over there. And likewise, if you're aiming down sights at Cole, you can ping him and basically just tell the NPCs there he is, no matter how far away he is. If you can see him down the map, you can say, there he is. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, but it's then fun to play as Colt and do that on purpose and lure Juliana out. Like, get yourself right. in a way, in a space, and then fire a shot so she hears it and then comes to you, you know? Like, uh... It, it it can be very very fun. It just gets annoying when it is like, okay, I'm, please, I just want to finish this run. Please, for <laughs> the love of God, stop invading me. Because I did feel like it was inconsistent. I would sometimes get a lot of action, and then other times not at all. Right. It does seem
1: like the developers put so, like a lot of effort into building, um, you know, a, a lot of different types of emergent gameplay from this right. like stealth FPS. So you, you you do have a lot of agency with how you approach some things, and then. Uh, within that, uh, th- there there is going to be the requirement of thinking quick on your feet when everything goes wrong because it's bound to happen. Hundred um, percent. But uh, those scenarios, like being able to call out Cole's position and then alert NPCs to his position, so that everybody you know knows where he is and rushes him, uh, and then. Using that deliberately as coal as as a means to something else for your strategy, how you want to play, uh, is pretty fun. Like it, it seems like a cool experience to be able to to approach it from a you know a Metal Gear Solid stealth thing to right. run and gun and just kind of have a sandbox of a game that uh, lets you experiment and, and have fun.
0: Right, uh, and and performance was. Um, a, a, at least for me playing this pretty well after launch, uh, in the multiplayer mode, it was okay. I would occasionally get, cause you're, I, I don't believe there's servers. So you're just connecting, you know, to someone's console directly. Uh, so in, like, like dead by daylight, I would start some as Juliana where I would just like rubber band terribly. And I would just quit those. Like, that's not even worth trying to do. Um, my bigger problem with it was I sometimes waited up to 15 minutes to get into one. Hmm. Because uh, it obviously just time of day, who's playing, you know. Uh, so it's just a little bit inconsistent in that regard. That is the kind of drawback that
1: these games, I think, do have. Dark Souls, Bloodborne, uh, they they have a, a cool multiplayer mode where you can invade other worlds or help other people, and um, that functionality feels similar to this with the uh, Cole Juliana. Uh, uh, thing going on for your multiplayer aspect, mm-hmm. um, but it does kind of feel sometimes like it, there are people that play uh the hell out of Bloodborne and and Dark Souls still today, and uh, even then, you know, it, it can be a challenge to get someone to help you with a boss fight, or you'll be kind of hanging around a while before uh, you invade another player's world so you can fight them directly. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just seems to be the nature for these games. You know, it's not like League of Legends. It's not like a Call of Duty where right. um, there are hundreds of thousands of players on standby ready to go. Um, and, and in this case, you know, statistically, there may be, you know, several thousand people playing at a given time. It's, it is just kind of like the, 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 you know, the draw, that the, the hand that you get. Um, from drawing off the deck and that like you said the time of day and so forth is probably a big factor and um that is an experience that i've had with uh with with dark souls and bloodborne is just kind of waiting for another human being to stumble upon the area that i'm in so that they can you know come and help me with a boss fight or me just kind of like hanging out in another zone and waiting to invade another player's world so i can fight them um, it 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 takes some patience, but uh, that usually pays off and is kind of fun if it works well. If you're not lagging out like crazy, um, right? Even uh, recently, my my most recent Bloodborne PS4 playthrough, I got invaded, um, and cool. uh, oh boy, I I created a new character from scratch. <laughs> and and let me tell you, Bloodborne's been out for a long time now, and I'm. Pretty sure the person on the other end uh had a character who had played through New Game Plus several times and was leveled (laughs) up well beyond my character ever was, because I hit them and their health bar did not budge and they hit me once and it killed me instantly. Holy moly. It it was it was phenomenally funny. Um and I honestly I kind of expected it. Um but uh you, you still have to wait for those things and those Multiplayer features, I think, are really cool. Seeing other games take that Dark Souls thing and, you know, run with it, I think is awesome. And, uh, you know, hopefully that player base just is still there for other people who play it down the road. I
0: will say in general, I feel like I did have more fun, like, getting invaded than invading. Um, But I I put a couple hours into the, uh, I guess, aggressor side. And uh, you get some... So I guess as an incentive for doing it beyond just like the obvious, I, I think like just the act of doing it would be enough for some people, but you get, uh, rewards that you can use in the multiplayer as well as in the single player. Like you get skins for colts and stuff, uh, cool. through multiplayer exclusively. Uh, you can't find any in the single player that I know of. Um, so yeah, so, so overall death loop is pretty good. It, it, it's good. Like there's, I, I don't see a, uh, I, unless you just don't like first person shooters or you don't like stealth games or you hate time loops. <laughs> like I can't imagine anyone <laughs> going like, this is bad. The it's three core a, pillars of death loop of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of, of gaming really. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, it, it's a well-made game. It's well put together. The game I kept coming back to comparing it to is ratchet and clank rift apart in uh, that that was also an extremely good game Uh, could you can't say otherwise, but when I finished it, I have not really thought about it again since just, you know, does not, not really super impactful, which is OK. Not everything's going to be. But uh, maybe to a detriment, though, we're like, I I haven't like I put Deathloop on a shelf and I'm uh, that'll probably be it. I'll probably never play it again. Like I mentioned at the top. I was trying to figure out why that it maybe soured on people. And I think it might just be that I think, cause, cause if we had talked about death loop while I was playing it, I might've been like, this is incredible. Cause there was a point I would say there's like an eight day stretch there where I'm like, this game's incredible. <laughs> like I am loving this game. I want to play it all the time. And then right after it, I was kind of like, okay, now I've seen what it has to offer. And, and, and I'm <laughs> realizing there's not anything more to it. So yeah, it's still good though and at that point you were bill murray driving
1: the uh the truck off the cliff
0: yeah also never seen groundhog's day if
1: i'm just confessing movies i have not seen neither have i i just i just kind of pulled that out of like random clips i've seen from uh, youtube videos that other people have used but maybe, should we watch groundhog day maybe it seems like a, a classic right
0: it does, yeah right like ever everyone speaks fondly of it though
1: i i i would say it that matches the things that i have heard as minimal as they are uh Mm -hmm. where this game like it comes out of the gate very strong and uh it kind of fizzles out rather than um you know maintains that that energy uh or that uh you know that that desire to be engaged with and um Toward the end, I wonder if that is—it kind of feels indicative of the time loop itself, right? Where right. You know, you, you, the very first time you go through that time loop, you're like, "Oh wow, I'm in a time loop. This is this is kind of fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, or you know when it resets, and uh, now how can I manipulate the world around me within the time loop?" But then uh, eventually, you 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 go through that loop so many times that. Uh, You really become desensitized to, you know, what's going on, and you know, uh, yeah, if I do this, then that happens, and I do that, then it happens, and
0: And you want out of the loop, right? (laughs) And and you want
1: out of the loop. Uh, So, um, it it kind of feels like the game had a very strong start, and it just didn't have uh, the the meat and potatoes for that second half uh, to make the time loop still feel the way it did in the first half, right? Um, Something there. You know, maybe the game just it was pushing for, um, uh, you know, that that higher number of hours played. Like it's a 10 hour game. It's a 20 hour game. It's a 60 hour game Uh, when maybe it didn't need to be that. Maybe it would have been fine as a a shorter or a smaller self-contained thing that, you know, I, I always feel like if the game leaves you wanting more at the end, then you know you've made a masterpiece but then if it's really good but at the end you're like "Ah, i can i can wait 10 years before i ever think about it again then you made a good game but it definitely isn't one that has like changed anything in someone's mind at that point right so as great as that game could or is uh could be or is um what which would you rather have, the one where you want more or the one where you're just kind of done with it?
0: I would give Deathloop a 7.5 out of 10,
1: Deathloops. Fantastic. Um, I should
0: mention, sorry, I should mention voice acting is incredible, especially Colton Juliana. That and that will uh uh honestly that gets like a lot of mileage out of this game. Like it's entertaining to play in the world because the cast that is surrounding you is is top-notch.
1: I want to uh, I want you to look at the stream real quick. Okay. I'm watching because I've been I've been standing here for a reason. I noticed this while we were recording and I wanted to point it out. But when I press X to interact, my pistol doesn't go anywhere. It just floats.
0: I noticed that as well, actually. When you pulled this lever, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a fun little thing. I don't. I wouldn't consider that a bug. I'd consider that a feature.
0: That's yeah, funny. Um, yeah,
1: it's very funny. Um, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, blood, uh, 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 blood loop. <laughs> what loopborn? Uh, loop death death lo- <laughs> <laughs> loop. is still a game that I find intriguing, um, knowing that uh, it. It, it might fizzle out in the back end. Um, I, I don't think totally deters me. It, it feels oh, like yeah. the kind of game that I would solidly play through once and get my fill and move on from it. Kind of, you know, the exact same thing that you've described, what you've done with it. And uh, again, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, there are a lot of games that have been that experience and uh, you get some solid entertainment and then, you know, kind of like, feel and, and emote and engage and move on to the next thing um so to expect every single game that comes out every single year to be an experience that uh you keep coming back to over and over again um while that's indicative of a loop um not every game has to be that and uh right. that's okay so I'm, I'm still pretty interested in playing that game and i think i would give it a shot. And and see how it holds up for me. Well,
0: speaking of moving on to the next thing, looking forward to our next episode, buddy?
1: I am. I am
0: looking forward to the next episode. Up next. Oh, yeah. Here it comes. You know what time it almost is? It's almost Elden Ring o'clock, baby. Hell yes. I am so excited. I, uh... Next time, you folks hear from us, we're gonna be talking about Elden Ring, because we're gonna be playing Elden Ring.
1: I'm I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: Elden Ring. That's the theme song, I bet. I'll bet you $100 freaking dollars right now that's the theme song, and I just nailed it. It's it's probably just the same theme
1: from Game of Thrones, except uh, they change Elden it to Elden Ring. Elden Ring, it's
0: Elden Ring. It's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh- I can't wait. I'm, like, legit so excited. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that next. I'm actually, like, kind of not playing anything right now. I feel like I'm, like, saving myself for Elden Ring.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've been playing through um through bloodborne again almost as practice but uh <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it, it was essentially um playing through bloodborne psx that i i felt like oh i have to play the original again and then i realized elden ring was coming elden ring, and maybe. uh okay well i might as well get i guess a little bit prepared so bloodborne is my 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 you know preparation uh for the coming exam and uh, um, I am I am looking forward to it. I, I hope that it it, uh, it holds up and uh, it it just kind of takes the throne of uh, a best from software game because for me that's Bloodborne. We'll see how it stands up against those. And it I'm I'm just very much looking forward to it. I've already purchased
0: it. Mm-hmm, me too. Well, for me, my favorite from soft game is the friends I made along the way who came into my game and absolutely fucked my whole shit up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Appropriate. And honestly, like, playing Bloodborne at the same time as I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 3... <laughs> it is so difficult to play Kingdom Hearts 3.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, so good.
1: I Like, I'm I'm, I'm playing one of the best games ever made, and then... I'm and then you're playing Bloodborne. I'm also playing yeah, totally. Bloodborne, and I'm like, mm, how do I get the motivation <laughs> to play Kingdom Hearts when I have
0: Bloodborne in front of me? You mean opposite. How can I get back to... How am I supposed to play oh, Bloodborne? Yeah, yeah, I'm when sorry, I, I was... When I can summon some uh, Disneyland rides made out of hard light or whatever (laughs) is going on over there. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you in two weeks when we're talking about Elden Ring. Uh, This is an Elden Ring cast. Bye.